You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast Week 12. Coop, man. I hope your honeymoon was was a good time. We missed you, but we're happy to have you back. Glad to be back on the mic, man. I mean, it wasn't as relaxing as it could be because I still had all my articles and stuff. I still kept up to date, but back on the mic, feeling good. Big slate this week. My favorite holiday. Yeah, big slate. Thanksgiving week is here. We have three Thursday football games on tap for Turkey Day. And then, of course, we got our main slate and traditional Sunday night, Monday night football contest there as well. So plenty of games to talk about, plenty of matchups and news to discuss as well. Yeah, listen, you you might have been away from the podcast, but I saw you out there tweeting. I saw you calling into the Better Sports Network shows. You were shooting, but still still plugged in, which is can be good and bad. Just a different flavor of football over there. It's it's crazy. Some of those countries we're in, 7 o'clock at night, the one, 1 o'clock game started. So different type of party over there for those games. But there are a lot of NFL fans all over the place. Man, I was running into them in Prague, Belgium, Italy. So shout out all the people out there that are listening and that are supporting the game. Yeah, 100% there for sure. And uh, hopefully, I know we have some followers there from across the across the pond that have paid attention to what we got going on over here at Fantasy Alarm as well. And Coop, I, you know, I, a little bit, a new wrinkle added to the show here. We have, a, we have yet a, somebody finally coming through here and providing a contest for us to take part in there for our quick out fantasy football listeners. Of course, we are partnered with them over at Fantasy Alarm as well. And that is Thrive Fantasy. You go to fantasyalarm.com slash uh alarm and use promo code alarm when you sign up and there is a quick out fantasy football free roll going on over there right now for your thanksgiving day contest there and it's for those who are not familiar with the thrive fantasy it is a pick em contest of player props you go more or less each player prop that is provided in that contest and the accumulated points based off your correct or incorrect answers and at the end of the day those who has the most accumulated will go ahead and win a prize Coop, maybe 500 quick out free roll going on right now over at thrive fantasy here and first place 50 bucks free to enter 50 first place pays up to 130 people last place gets two two dollars so again turn zero into two turn zero right. into 50 either way you can go have a little bit of fun with us there so we'll be tweeting out the link to the contest on twitter you can also find it over at fantasy alarm in the podcast feature article as well but make sure you sign up and use promo code alarm there so thrivefantasy.com slash alarm promo and code it- alarm when you sign up I love this sponsor, man, because I like building parlays. I love doing the prop bets and stuff. But with gambling, is a little more final. Like you either win or you lose. And when you build a crazy parlay, it's 10 bucks to win a thousand bucks or whatever. It usually never hits. But with these, what you do is you go in and you pick the prop bets and kind of build your own parlay. You have the fun of that. But you don't need every single leg to hit for you to win. In fact, some weeks, if not everybody gets them all right, you can hit seven, eight, whatever it yep. is, and still win the big prize. Or you get a few of them right, and you win a prize in between. It's not so do or die. Correct. You know what I mean? Gambling, a lot of times, is so final. Like, traditional gambling is so final. This, it lets you get in, have fun with the props, play it more of a casual-type game, and and win some money. And the best part, our game is free. 
So yep. you get a free parlays, really, is what you're doing. It's a good time. Yep, exactly. So they'll give you 20 props to pick from. You pick 10 more or less. Those props are associated with points. And if you accumulate the most at the end of Thanksgiving, because this is the Thanksgiving Day free roll, you have an opportunity there to win 50 bucks. So go ahead and check it out. Again, that's thrivefantasy.com. If you haven't signed up yet, make sure you use promo code ALARM when making your deposit there. And you'll go ahead and get a deposit match and also be available to join the quick out $500 NFL Thanksgiving free roll. So with that out of the way, make sure you get involved there. Coop and I will certainly be in that contest as well. Let's talk about some of these games here, Coop. Huh? We got the Buffalo yeah. Bills on the road against the Detroit Lions. The Lions at home getting nine and a half points. It is a 54 and a half game total. By far the largest total of Thanksgiving. It's the largest total of the entire week 12 here. We've seen the Lions offense continue to put up points. We've seen the Buffalo Bills offense continue to put up points. Both defenses lately have actually kind of been struggling a bit as well. We know the Lions have struggled all season long. The Bills defense has been a bit leaky of late also. How are you feeling about this matchup here? Yeah, I mean, this is what you get with the way the league has it set up because, you know, the schedule is pretty formulaic. The teams have to play the teams that they're set to play each year. But there's always this wrinkle that the Lions and Cowboys have to play on Thanksgiving. They have a long-standing deal where that's the case. So you're going to get a situation where the Lions have to play the Bills at some point, and this ended up being the week, and it's probably going to be a blowout. So I'm siding with the Bills on this one. That doesn't mean that guys like Amon Ross St. Brown can't get fed a ton of targets, maybe Swift is a little more involved than usual, but I don't know. I can't really see a world where the Lions take this one down, John. I love the over-under of 54 and a half. That's a great thing for fantasy football, isn't it? Yes, I agree. And we've seen, obviously, the Bills lose to the Jets this year, but the Jets actually have a good defense, right? They were yeah. able to win that game just by stopping the Buffalo offense, which is hard to do in itself anyways. Mm -hmm. Detroit's not stopping the Bills offense here. So no. if this one turns into a track meet, ultimately, they're just going to be outgunned there by Buffalo. But that being said, we've seen a lot of production of late from Jamal Williams on the ground. We know that they have a really good offensive line in Detroit. Williams, three rushing touchdowns last week, leads the NFL with 12 rushing touchdowns on the season. I don't think anybody would have pegged that no. one uh, outcome coming into this year. He is in a rather timeshare with DeAndre Swift, but the one problem there is they're still taking it pretty easy with Swift there. They don't want to expose him to running the football too much because he does have that shoulder. Swift, 31% of the snaps the last two weeks being used more in the passing down role, a change of pace role. Hasn't topped six carries, seven carries since the first week of the season. Does have back-to-back -back rushing touchdown. They are giving him sort of a goal line carry here or there, so maybe some potential for that for uh, again this week but outside of Amon Ross and Brown and maybe some Jamal Williams it's very difficult to trust this Lions offense yeah you start Amon Ra you start Jamal Williams can't really trust any of the tight ends and then on the Bills side you start you're starting Diggs you're starting Gabe Davis Dawson Knox pretty good start this yeah week with the over under and the matchup and then of course you're starting Tevin Singletary because I mean the guy has been pacing the team playing a ton of snaps so that's where you're at I, one thing I will say on Jamal Williams we take fantasy football very seriously. If you listen to this podcast, you take it very seriously. If you're a Fantasy Alarm member, obviously, you know what you're doing. But just shout out to the casual gamers and what makes this game fun that somewhere out there, there's a guy that sat there and watched Hard Knocks and said, I love this Jamal Williams guy. I'm grabbing him. And you got the touchdown leader with 12 touchdowns. Seems yeah. like it happens every year. So it wouldn't be fun if we knew what was going to happen every single week. So shout out to the casual gamers too. Great pickup. Glad you enjoyed Hard Knocks. 
Yeah, exactly. I have one share of Jamal Williams in a best ball league this year. That's it. Just one. So, and I certainly was not expecting 12 touchdowns at this point no. of the year. Uh, I will say, though, you and I were pretty high on Devin Singletary. I was definitely high on Devin Singletary going into the season. Then they drafted Cooks, and I was like, oh, man, they drafted Cooks. That kind of sucks. But then towards the end of the year, I was like, you know what? No, a lot of the things are still adding up for me to Singletary here. And I grabbed him in a, in a couple of leagues. He's obviously outperformed my overall expectations as well but why trade for naeem hines what was that move all about because they're not using them you know what still, it is. still using you know singletary what it, so you know what it is honestly though is that we always think about fantasy football but this team is trying to solidify what uh, like a championship winning team and you need to have all phases the 2010 los angeles chargers or at the time san diego chargers they have the number one offense number one defense in the stone worst special teams in the league the Bills this year did not have a lot of success returning kicks, returning punts. They went out, shored that up. And if you look at the across the league last week, the two division opponents that played each other, the Patriots and Jets, what won that game last week? Yep. It was special teams. So I think that beyond his pass catching prowess, I think they really did care enough to go out and say, hey, we have this hole in our team. Let's go out and square it away. So yep. it could be still be a good ad for them if he makes plays in special teams for them. Last week, Hines had three kick returns, averaging 25 yards a return. He had two punt returns, averaging 18 and a half. So yep. definitely, a, definitely a good point by you there. Adding some value. Field position is the name of the game here in the NFL. So uh, if you can go out there and make some plays, definitely worthwhile. Giants-Cowboys here. Cowboys at home giving nine and a half, 45 and a half game total. Everybody's riding high on the New York Giants, and then they go and get spanked by the Detroit Lions. Now they have no Wandale Robinson after he suffered an ACL injury. Dallas defense, again, just a monster performance out of them last week against Kirk Cousins. I think he had seven or eight sacks in that game. Things are not looking good for New York here in this matchup. Maybe uh, the clock has struck midnight on the Cinderella. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has been kind of calling the Giants frauds all along. So I'm not surprised by the line. But, I mean, two seven and three teams in the same division Nine and a half. I mean, division games can get dicey sometimes. Nine and a half feels like a lot. But again, it's Vegas. They got the Sharps. They usually know what they're doing. So kind of got to trust them on this. I think you're right. Daniel Jones is going to be running for his life with Parsons and yeah. uh, Demarcus Lawrence <laughs> yeah. and the whole gang. Yeah. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a rough one for the Giants. But I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people picking the Giants to cover this one. I don't know, John, would you go there? I don't This is probably a no bet for me, but I would lean yeah. Dallas just being at home. I mean, they just beat the Vikings 40-7. to 7. Who do the Giants have to keep them in this game is my question at this point. Well, I know Robinson had 100 yards last week. He's out now, right? Yeah. So you're back to, what, Richie James? Maybe Galladay finally finds a step here. I know he's been active. Darius Slayton's look good. That's perfect. Saquon Barkley, yep. But, I mean, are you running the ball against Dallas? Probably not. Yeah, are you consistently not. throwing? Against Dallas, probably not here. So like How, Howard Bender's boy, Lawrence Cager. I don't know if he's going to get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's what so. I'm saying. So this, yeah, this one definitely feels like a blowout on paper. It opened at eight. It's up to nine and a half here. I mean, we've seen Dallas lay some eggs, but I just don't see this is going to be the spot. Coop, we have to talk about the running back situation. Tony Crazy. Pollard last week, 100 yards receiving. Another strong day on the ground for him. We talked about it on the, the Game Day Playbook podcast when... They opened up a live stream rather on Sunday. When they opened the rushing lines up, they had Tony Pollard at 42 and a half yards rushing. I'm like, you have to hit the over on this. They yep. just, they're with Ezekiel Elliott coming back. The books are making a mistake here. They think that it's going to be a, a, Tony Pollard can do this in one run, two runs. He was over in three carries. He had 50 yards in three carries uh, last week. 
we're big Zeke fans, but we have to at least, the eye test is the eye test, right? We joke about it on Twitter. We poke fun at the Pollard guys, but he's making big plays. He's scoring touchdowns still. I, there's room for both to be productive. When they got in the red zone, they got in the goal line. Ezekiel Elliott got the two rushing touchdowns there, but Pollard looks good, man. He's, look, he's looking him. way better than he did last year. Yep. I have two. I have both of them. Like in Dynasty, I have a lot of situations where I had Zeke and I obviously grabbed Pollard. And now, including last week, I'm starting Pollard over Zeke. It's just because of the upside, the receiving, all those things. Before, what would happen is Zeke would get the goal line and the pass work because he's better better pass blocking. Now Pollard's really trickling into the pass game too. So it, the, it's the changing the guard for me. I'm finally willing to go there. Though, obviously, we did see Pollard get the carries in the goal line and run directly into the back of the line twice in a row, yep. which that's always been the thing with him. If he can, he needs to meet up with Austin Eckler this offseason and, and do the old Austin Eckler bulk up plan and get there, get that one last part of his game together. But I mean, he looks great. He looks explosive. Yeah, so, they also need to uh, learn to not run him up the middle of the line, too, right? Like, yeah, no need. I know we talk about this a lot, and I guess it's a double edged sword here. When you have the power back, you want to run up the middle. We talk about that when they do stretch plays with like Nick Chubb from the two. And he's getting tackled on by an outside linebacker. I'm like, why are you not just running up the middle with Nick Chubb? He's not going to get stopped there. But Pollard, run a stretch play with him. Run an off tackle. Run a counter. Do something to get him on the edge where he can utilize his speed. Or run a little bit of a delay play so he can find the hole. Having him run into the middle of a pack, he's just not that back. So, well, again, I agree with you there. I still think Zeke, obviously, is playable if you have him. I have him in leagues. Still throwing him in my flex spot. Still an RB2 because the touchdowns are going to be there. But like you, in leagues where I have Pollard, I'm pretty damn happy to have Tony Pollard on my roster here. So, Absolutely. Final game of Thanksgiving. Our New England Patriots going into Minnesota. Minnesota's only giving two and a half, which feels like a ridiculously suspicious line to me. It's a 42 and a half game total. We've talked a lot, and there's been a narrative around Minnesota that they're a little bit of a paper tiger. They faced Dallas last week and, and got smoked. They should have lost to Buffalo the week before that. They've had some wins since against weaker opponents, but so have the Patriots. A lot of their wins this year have come against bad teams. They beat the Jets twice, the Lions, they, they beat the, the Browns. So, But why just two and a half? On paper, there's so much more talent offensively in Minnesota than there is in New England. Yeah, I think it's a it's mat it's a matchup situation where the Patriots kind of have the personnel to counteract what the Vikings do. So like the Patriots have let up seven touchdowns to tight ends, but five of those came while Kyle Duggar was out. Kyle Duggar's back. He's a problem for tight ends. So he's gonna be on TJ Hawkinson. The Patriots run a ton of man coverage. So you're gonna get that. You're gonna get the new Rookie Jack Jones, all given Justin Jefferson his best effort, I don't think he's going to be able to stop him. But that type of man matchup is where you do best against them. And then, of course, they still have Thielen, but he's kind of been, he's kind of struggled a little bit. Thielen is a pick that I'm making on Thrive Fantasy. So for our Thrive contest, I'm going to get in there. It's a he 0.5 touchdowns. You basically bet if he gets a touchdown or not. I'm betting that he does. I think this is a matchup for him. Where I think the Vikings are are kind of outmatching the Patriots is I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a big day. I think Christian Barmore is still out, John, yeah. and that's that they don't really have an answer for that up the middle. So I think he's probably where they beat the matchup. Then on the flip side, the Vikings play a ton of zone defense. Only the Rams really play more zone, and the Patriots have those like dink and dunk guys. Jonu Smith, a good versus zone. Jacoby Myers, obviously a good versus zone. So. It's kind of a, on paper, just looking at it from above, it looks like, oh, this team is much better than this team. But the way they do things kind of matches up in a way that could be problematic for the Vikings. That's why I think the line 
isn't as suspicious as it might look right away. Okay. Yeah. Again, it's it, you just uh, we will admit the one thing Belichick does really well is take away your best play, the thing that you do the best. So this could be a spot where. Justin Jefferson just gets nothing go because they are just completely bracketing him. They're shutting him down. You mentioned Duggar can one-on-one up on on Hawkinson there. And then, what do you have, Marcus Jones probably as the guy on Adam Thielen there. So, yeah, it it could be interesting. You're right. This could be a Dalvin Cook game, and and Belichick will take that. Slow the game down. Run the football against us. Who was it a couple years ago? They read, I think it was in Denver. No Sean Moreno. He had 35 carries against New England. And Bill was like, that's fine. If you want to run the ball like that against us, that's okay. We'll win the game. Well, you slow the clock down. So exactly, that's it's a hockey game where the Patriots are going to try and muddle it up against the boards and win the game one nothing. That's mm-hmm. why this game has the over under that's lower than what you might expect for a Vikings game. So yep. we'll see if it works though, because if they can't contain those individual pieces. If Duggar's just not stopping Hawkinson or Jack Jones isn't stopping Jefferson, game could get out of hand. Yep. On the Patriots side of things here, Damian Harris came back, cut into what Ramondre Stevenson was doing on the ground. Looked pretty good. Stevenson, though, still a really good pass catching option for New England here. Jacoby Myers continues to be the number one wide receiver for this team. But after that, again, just a whole lot of questions at the receiving group there. Tight ends, hit or miss week in, week out, depending on who decides to be involved, which is wild to me because I think both tight ends are very talented receivers just the year they're just not doing anything so if that's offensive scheme if that's just some regression who knows but the Patriots offense isn't there's not much there to love no there really isn't but I will say even though Damian Harris looked very good uh Ramondre Stevenson still played 49 snaps to only 15 for Damian Harris like you pointed out a lot of that is past game usage for Stevenson where they like him so it's still Stevenson over Harris you're still starting Stevenson where you have him because he he's producing and this is a pretty decent matchup for him but yeah hard to trust anybody outside Stevenson and Kobe Myers really yeah I agree with you let's go to Sunday games here we have the Denver Broncos versus Carolina Panthers Sam Darnold making his season debut for Carolina in this getting two and a half points at home a gross 36 and a half game total <laughs> here. Again, Denver making waves this week, cutting Melvin Gordon and placing Chase Edmonds on IR. Currently, their only running back, it seems, is going to be Latavius Murray, unless, of course, maybe the recent release, Daryl Henderson finds his way to Denver. That feels like a spot that couldn't make sense given sort of the lack of their depth there. Jerry Judy, we, th- we know, is questionable here. Kendall Hinton had a pretty good game for Denver last week. And, of course, Cortland Sutton. Dolchich didn't really have the game anywhere, hoping for Russell Wilson. Zero touchdowns last week. I mean, this is going to be an absolutely ugly game. I'm in Denver or Carolina. I'm, like, praying that they just black this one out for us and give us, like, anything else to watch because that's just going to be a brutal way to find something else to do with my Sunday, I think, if that's those are the games I have to watch. Seriously, like I usually what I try and do is I'll put the big TV will be the Patriots if they're playing and I'll have red zone on the smaller one. But dude, you can't even if you're a Denver fan, you got to have red zone on the big TV. (laughs) You you do not want to be watching this football game. To put it in perspective, to put in perspective, 36 and a half, the over under, that was the same over under the Broncos had when it was Kendall Hinton at QB against Taysom Hill. That's how ugly this game is supposed to be. Yeah. So I'm just avoiding. I mean, are you pulling any fantasy? I mean, Cortland Sutton, I guess. But I saw him in Latavius Murray by default, right? Back. He's the yeah. only running back. I get uh, they have Marlon Mack, I guess, technically on the depth chart. But yeah. Who, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> is Marlon Mack going to honestly cut into the workload there? <laughs> I mean, no. He <laughs> does the same thing except worse. He does the same things except worse. He's so, been yeah. on six different teams this year. Obviously, he I doesn't know. have anything left in the tank either. So nah, it's bad. Yeah. So I guess. Just avoid all these players if you can. DJ Moore anywhere. I mean, Sam listen, Donald. Sam Darnold had a good connection with him last year to start the year, right? I mean, 
But Denver does have good cornerbacks, right? Like I know it's really the worst possible situation for yeah, everybody. Really. I, yeah, I don't like anything here. You can't really you can. run on Denver that well. So I don't know if Donto Foreman or Chuba Hubbard are going to be in play. Play the defenses. If you need to stream a defense this week, see if Carolina's defense is out there. Yeah. Like that's what I would. That's probably how I would approach this approach that matchup. Let's Absolutely. go to maybe a more exciting one. We have Tampa Bay versus Cleveland at home, getting three and a half. over under on this one. Open at forty four. It's down to forty two and a half. So people again taking the unders here. I've been harping on the Donovan Peoples Jones train. Came through once again last week. Sure. Garbage time touchdown, but it doesn't matter how they get the points, Coop. It's the fact that they got the points. Um, David Njoku did come back, and I do think that had an impact on Donovan Peoples-Jones. That was the one thing we talked a lot about, was DPJ's production spiked up when Njoku was out of the lineup. It wasn't a great return for Njoku there. It wasn't a great matchup for him, but he certainly was back on the field there. Amari Cooper had himself a pretty good day. Then we have Nick Chubb here. Maybe a tough spot trying to run against Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, this is a terrible week for tight ends across the board because... The good tight ends have bad matchups. The bad tight ends have good matchups. And in this case, there's two tight ends that are banged up that have good matchups. David Njoku is one of them. So this is a great matchup for him on paper, but he played almost half the snaps that Harrison Bryant did. And the problem you run into with these lower body injuries is that you still need to have cardio to play a full football game. So I'm not sure if David Njoku is ready to be ramped up. It could be split even, even. So I'm still a little scared. So you see 50 55 snaps for Harrison Bryant, only 28 for Njoku. So kind of scary there. But Donovan Peoples-Jones was one of my top waiver ads. If you like the Donovan Peoples-Jones with Jacoby Brissett, you're going to love him with Deshaun Watson because <laughs> yeah. he runs the routes, right? He runs those Will Fuller routes, yeah. right? So he played 74 of 75 snaps last week, more than Amari Cooper. Like he's pretty locked in, man. So I feel good about PPJ, feel good about Amari, feel good about Chubb. And then from there, Kareem Hunt and David Njoku are use them if you must. Yeah, Hunt's, now, Hunt's down decline lately has been very surprising because he was brutal. being utilized fairly often in this offense as yeah. not, you know, obviously as the handcuff behind behind Nick Chubb there, but you know, just the recent production out of him has really gone down. I mean, look how he started the year. Five games to open the year, he had at least 10 t- carries, two or three catches there. And then from week six to week 11, Four, five, he had 11 against Cincinnati, six and five. I mean, all of a sudden, his usage has just dipped dramatically over the last five weeks. So that is certainly something to at least take some note of there because it is a bit surprising. Yeah, it's you can't... Also least, a good thing because Nick Chubb should be the one handling the majority of the touches here. Of course. Uh, at least before, though, you're right, John. He was a medium floor, medium ceiling option. And now he's a low floor, medium ceiling option. And... I just don't feel good about yeah, those Three catches each of the last two weeks for Nick Chubb as well. I mean, I tweeted yeah. out somewhat sarcastically, but, you know, if they start throwing in Nick Chubb, is he a league-winning running back? Because that was obviously the, uh, the right. debate on Nick Chubb was like, he can't be a league winner because he doesn't catch the football. Oh, catches on, the last two weeks. On the other side of this one, we have to get to the elephant in the room because, of course, you start Mike Evans, you start Chris Godwin, but, man, Rashad White versus Leonard Fournette, quite a debate. Quite an interesting situation here where Rashad White kind of broke out a bit, but everyone surrounding the team, including Rashad White himself, likes to say Leonard Fournette is the man. So I don't know, John, if you let's say you have a team where your flex is locked up with a wide receiver, your flex is Mike Evans. So you have to just pick an RB2 and you have Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. Which of those two players are you going to say? I mean, you play Fournette because he's starting, but I just answered a question right now, uh, Swift or Rashad White. I mean, I think I, I leaned Rashad White. Rashad White. Right? Rashad White. Swift. 
They have no reason to run Swift in the ground. No. That team is. If you they, take, and I know you can't take away scores. Like we talk about this all the time. It's like, well, if he didn't do that, it wouldn't matter. Well, he did. He did do that. Yeah. So you can't take it away from him. But if you want to go and do that bad sort of analysis, if you take away his two rushing touchdowns in each of the last two weeks, DeAndre Swift has gotten you like two fantasy points. Like He's not out, playing. Outside of those touchdowns, he's gotten you nothing. Six carries, six yards, five carries for 20 yards, one catch for six yards. It literally would have gotten you 2.6 points or something like that in week 10 if you didn't score the touchdown. So Some, Sometimes it's as simple with these split backfields. Give me the guy on the better team. Yeah, give me a guy that's going to touch football. And at least White's touching the football a bit. And like you said, he is on the better team. Fournette's expected to return, but he doesn't seem like he's 100%, right? He's got that hip pointer. Mm -hmm. That could act up. That could keep him limited. Maybe it takes away some of the explosiveness. And to my surprise, they've shown a willingness to use Rashad White here a bit. So, yeah, yeah, I I think you got to go White. You obviously start all the receivers. What do you do with Kate Otten? Can't start him. Maybe, honestly, just one last thing on Rashad White. Maybe sure. Brady's getting soft in his old age and he's letting the young boys play. Or maybe, hey, maybe Rashad White is just a football genius and picked up the playbook enough that Brady well, trusts him. Because it's Bra- listen, Brady's Brady, the one that... Brady's yeah. only trusted like two rookies in his life and it was Aaron <laughs> Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. So well, maybe Rashad White's starting to figure it out a bit. And trusting Aaron Hernandez didn't turn out very well. Well, he trusted him on the football field. He, exactly. He didn't yeah. necessarily have to trust him off the football field. So. Yeah. I, now, I can't start Kate Otten because there were 31 there obviously there's a bye week last week uh, for the buccaneers which plays into Cameron Brate's hands but yeah. uh, there were 31 dropbacks Kate Otten only ran 10 Cameron Brate ran 16 so even though Kate Otten played more snaps he was kind of in more of a blocking role i can't trust either of those fellas there's 32 teams most of my leagues are only 10 or 12 teams so the reality is not every team's going to have a fantasy relevant tight end and while these two guys are both healthy I can't trust either one, so I'm just not going there with either one. I don't have I don't have either one ranked this week, and I have probably about 30 guys ranked. I'm just not going to start either one. Yep, that's fine by me. Baltimore versus Jacksonville. Next game on the slate here. Jacksonville at home getting four. 43 and a half game total. And this one opened up at 45 and a half. So points are dropping here. For Baltimore, we saw the return of Mark Andrews last week. Demarcus Robinson was the leading receiver. Over 100 yards there. Devin Duvernay just wasn't really targeted at all in that offense. We're looking to see if Gus Edwards will return here. Kenny Drake let a lot of people down last week. Unfortunately, he got tackled at the two and didn't didn't stretch out. I don't know if you saw his uh, DeAndre, or not, yeah. uh, or J.K. Dobbins. Not, I'm saying too many running backs here. Kenny Drake's, Kenny Drake's. Kenny Drake's a tweet there, there basically saying, if I stretch out and fumbled through the end zone i'd be in a lot of trouble so i apologize to my fantasy managers there so all of that they're going on in their baltimore it's still a pretty consolidated offense the way they run their things jacksonville side they're coming off of their bye week but christian kirk has really started to look good we know travis atn's the man there but after that i don't really know where you go yeah i mean i will say dude i appreciate Kenyon drake for doing that for saying that like how hard is it to come out and say hey Here's what happened. Maurice Jones-Drew used to do that all the time. I remember he took a knee one time instead of scoring a touchdown. He came out, apologized to the fantasy owners, said, hey, here's the play. This is why I did that. How hard is it to do that? It makes people like you more, and it makes right. people understand you more. Like, At least, yeah, like most football players will pretend like they don't even know what fantasy football is. If you so embrace annoying. it, like, it'll be fine. If people like you, Austin Eck, people love Austin Eckler because he comes out and he's like, hey, you know what? Don't start me this week because I'm, I'm brought in a player or whatever. Like, how hard is it to engage with the fans? And you got to re- recognize that people care. So good for him for doing that. It's better than Miles Sanders coming out saying, I don't care about fantasy. Don't pick me in your leagues or whatever. It's, dude, just shut up. So I'll get off my soapbox on that. I, I am starting Evan Ingram where I have him. That's mostly because my other options, my yin-yang tight end of pairing Ertz with Ingram, well, Ertz is gone. So Goddard's gone. 
a lot of options that we were relying on are are done. So you don't really have that many options. Ingram, before he hurt, tweaked his back, he had between six and 10 targets, four straight games, hurt his back a little bit, but he had the bye week last week to get healthy. So I'm willing to start him. It's a pretty decent matchup for him where I need to. So that's all I'm doing. I'm with you on that. It's got to be Kirk and Etienne, and that's about it. I can't trust Marvin Jones. You know what I mean? He's just not playing all the snaps. Zay Jones may be DFS, but it's getting too cute starting those guys. Yep, I agree with you. Next game, Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins, Miami at home giving 13 a game that opened up at 11, up to 13 here now, 46 and a half game total. Houston is just, I mean, last week, Damian Pierce, more carries than yards, never what you want for a running back. Miami's offense coming off of a bye, Tua, Waddle, Hill, Jeff Wilson over 100 yards last game. For Miami, Mostert still found the end zone as well. This one is shaping up to be a bloodbath. Blood, uh, blood there you go. Yeah, Miami's going to obliterate them. That's that's your only worry. I mean, you start Terry Kill and Jalen Waddle wherever you have them, but your only worry is that it gets out of hand because the spread's like 13, something like that. So could be pretty bad. I'm not starting anybody except Damian Pierce on the Texans. If I can avoid Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks, then I'm going to. Can't trust any of the tight ends in this game at all. Even Mike Gusecki, he just doesn't play a full snap share. So pretty limited options from this game. Jeff Wilson, pretty good usage. What do you think, John? Yeah, like I said, it, it is... As somebody that had a lot of Ray Mostert this year, uh, feeling pretty good about myself, and then all of a sudden Jeff Wilson comes over here and starts being productive. 61% of the carries last week for Wilson against Cleveland, 17 for 119 to score. I think more interestingly enough, five targets last week as well, for well, two weeks ago because they had the bye week for Wilson. This is a guy that wasn't really utilized in the 49ers passing offense. Comes over, gets traded to Miami. Eight targets in two games, five catches there. He's got a touchdowns. He had a receiving touchdown uh, last in, in week nine. He had a rushing touchdown in week 10 here. If it's going to be a 50-50 split still, which I don't think Ray Motes are just going to be phased out of this offense by any sense because he still looked good. But the one thing I think working against Mostert is he returns kicks. So he's there. You're going to miss that first snap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You miss that first snap usually. And you maybe get an alternate drive there. And that, that is, I think what's working against where most are 28% of the offensive snaps in week 10 for most 61 to Wilson. If you have most I think you still play him because of the matchup against Houston. He had a big touchdown run in that game. He's got touchdowns in back-to-back weeks for Miami still. They're going to utilize both backs, but have to be concerned that his rushing totals went 15, 18, 14, 16, 14. And then Wilson shows up and it's nine and eight. Well, Wilson's out there getting nine and then 17 in his two weeks. So definitely a tough spot there for Mostert, but I think Mostert's more of a flex play this week. I think Wilson's an RB2 with RB1 upside. Yeah, no, I think that's the case because you look at the snaps, like just it's not even close. And it looks like. And- it looks like Wilson's been the better pass blocker, both when he was with the 49ers and since he's gotten here. Mostert last week graded out as one of the worst pass blockers of the week. So if he doesn't have that going for him, he doesn't have much going for him. So that's definitely something to worry about if you got Mostert in your lineup. We'll see if it continues to trend that way against Houston. And I agree with you, you can't really use anybody in Houston. I still like the appeal of Cooks. He's probably a flex play at most, but just yeah. kind of... The talent could be there. Miami secondary hasn't been that great. Chicago versus the New York Jets here. The Jets are giving four and a half. Kind of surprising. 40 and a half games over here. The big news of the day. Jets benching Zach Wilson. In favor of Mike White, not Joe Flacco, which I also think is a little bit interesting. Flacco, as we talked about, is averaging like 50 pass attempts a game to start the season. 
Mike White didn't really play much better than Zach Wilson was playing last season when he had the opportunity to start. So they go to an extreme game manager in White here. They're going up against the Chicago defense, which isn't really great. You can certainly run on them. On the flip side with Chicago, Fields is expected to return to practice today. He's dealing with an AC joint sprain in his left shoulder. So maybe that limits maybe some of the running they want him to do, I think is worth noting. Mooney's been fine. Komet's been fine. Claypool has not been good since he's been traded there. I think Montgomery is probably going to be the more popular option of this game. No Khalil Herbert. Yeah, no, Montgomery is in a smash spot given the situation. And also, I think with the Mike White at quarterback, I mean, Michael Carter. Last time Mike White was the quarterback, yeah. he was the check down champion of the world. Wasn't mm. it? So it should be interesting there for Michael Carter. But yeah. Now, are any of the Jets wide receivers interest you outside of Garrett Wilson? Not really, only because I, Mike, Mike White is not that great of a quarterback. Like I said, if Flacco was back there, then I would have been like, all right, listen, Flacco had two 300-yard passing games. He averaged 50 pass attempts. Like, I can trust that at least maybe by default there will be volume going to these guys. So they, there could be some potential there, but I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like you're going to see 35, 40 pass attempts coming from Mike White here. So, sure, Wilson's fine, but after that, it's hard to know who the number two guy is going to be. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tough. I mean, Garrett Wilson played fifth, all fifty snaps last week, ran all thirty routes. So I do, I still will start Garrett Wilson where I have to. But yeah, nobody else. I'm out on them. Cincinnati versus Tennessee here. Tennessee at home, getting a point and a half. It's a forty-two and a half game total. I think I saw Jamar Chase is returning to practice this week. I guess we'll wait and see if he is ready to go or not for this return game here. For him. Higgins had a big week last week. Tyler Boyd's been fine filling in, but obviously Chase coming back will reshift the target distribution there for Cincinnati and how that offense runs. Uh, Joe Mixon dealing with a concussion. Samaj P. Ryan, three receiving touchdowns last week. Would certainly be the guy in line to get the carry workload. So some fantasy appeal for him if he's on the waiver wire. Probably just want to pick him up. The Tennessee side of things, it's Derrick Henry. But Traylon Burks broke out last week, and hopefully this is the beginning of things for him. I mean, that's exciting. He's the guy that when you talk about who could be this year's Amon Ross St. Brown, who comes Amon Ross St. Brown this time last year was wide receiver 70, finished over the last stretch of games was the wide receiver two. Burks is outside the top 70 wide receivers. He comes in, has a hundred yard game, and it, we haven't really seen him. It could be wheels up. And one other thing, I know we talk a lot about fantasy on this show. We talk a lot about gambling, but from a real football perspective, for the grand scheme of things, this is a incredibly important football game for both of these teams. The Titans are sitting at seven and three. The Bengals are sitting at six and four. Both of them have difficult schedules. The Bengals have the Chiefs, Bucks, Pats, which are no joke. The Bills, obviously a really good team. And the Titans on their side have the Eagles, Chargers, Cowboys. This game is a very important. Both teams got to be playing hard. This is going to be a close game. This is going to be a, a fun game for the real-life football fans that put aside the fantasy and the gambling and all that. This is this should be a good football game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it should be a pretty fun one to watch. A lot of talent on the side of the football there. And the implications are big because if you're the Bengals, you come out of this game and you're now 6-4. and f- well, What would they be coming out of this one with a loss? They would be 6-5. and five, And then you got the Chiefs, Browns, Bucks. Pats, Bills, like, eesh. and the Ravens are leading the division. Bengals are. This is a. This could be a turning point game for the Bengals. Yep, I agree with you. I mean, they looked great last week. They won the week before that in a blowout fashion. So they really need to start turning a corner here for them. And Tennessee's defense. Listen, they were so bad to begin the year. Sneaky starting to look better, right? Rabel, Rabel maybe has a, a game plan figured out about how they can be successful defensively. Obviously, last week against Denver, take that for what it's worth. But they held their own for. 
five quarters basically against Kansas City. Attrition just got to them there at that point. You can't hold Patrick Mahomes down forever. But that that defense showed up there in Kansas City on prime time and, and nearly stole a game there. So yeah, Je- you know. Jeffrey Simmons is a star. That guy, good job on them doing their homework on that player, take him in the first round, even though he tore his ACL. I mean, he's a probably top five or so interior defensive line. So good for them. He's a good player. We have the Atlanta Falcons versus the Washington Commanders here. Commanders at home giving four. 41 and a half game total here opened at 43. So again, betting getting bet down here on the under. Taylor Heineke will continue to be the quarterback here. Doesn't excite me as a quarterback though. There's just uh, not a lot of fantasy appeal there. Still going out there though and throwing to Terry McClellan. Last week, Antonio Gibson had the big running day. Still Robinson is involved. Logan Thomas finally woke up from the dead after a couple of weeks of literal zero production. So Washington, kind of an interesting team. Curtis Samuel still can be a guy, but we just know that Heineke likes to look for McLaurin here. Yeah, don't let Logan Thomas get hot. He does. He that he is pretty locked in on McLaurin, and that goes back to last year. I mean, we had a 17 game sample size for from uh, before Heineke started this year, and he's over those games he threw 120 something targets to McLaurin. So we know that was going to happen. But Logan Thomas, he's had the snap share coming in. He's run the routes. I actually I got to pat myself on the back. Had him in the DFS article last week. So coming into this week, I was like, hey. This guy's running the routes. He's lining up at wide receiver. Any, all these other guys under $3,000 on DraftKings, none of them are doing that. So just throw him in there. And hey, he was a top five tight end on the main slate last week. So, and once again, the Falcons are a bottom five, six or so team versus tight end. Not a bad spot again this week. So Logan Thomas could be waking up, but again, you've seen how ugly it's been in other games. So don't be surprised if it's bad again. Yep, I agree with you there as well, for sure. On the Atlanta side of things here, Kyle Pitts to IR, RIP for those of you who are touting Kyle Pitts for this season. Again, it was, yeah. we can do, when we do our recap show, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in depth there because I was I just wasn't on the Kyle Pitts train this year. I know a lot of people were. I worried about Mariota and this offense and how much they were going to throw. And then there was just a lot of inconsistency there. I see a lot of people tweeting out the stats for Kyle Pitts, yards per route, and all these things were all great. But ultimately, it comes down to the quarterback throwing the football and it just wasn't able to get there for him, which really just takes out a big piece of this offense now. So now it's, it's Drake London, it's Demir Bird for the passing attack, I guess. And then... You're running the football. Coral Patterson, Tyler Algier. Yeah, Parker Hesse, the other tight end, played 37 snaps, ran seven routes. Michael Pruitt, 31 snaps, ran six routes. Basically, what's going to happen here is if if and when Anthony Ferkser is active, he's like a three-quarter court shot that you can (laughs) throw up in DFS, right? That's what you got with the tight end situation now. So uh, yeah, probably got to stay away from all that. Maybe more targets trickle in the direction of Cordero Patterson. I'm going to go check on Patterson. You do the snap count article here over at Fantasyland. Patterson last week, 49% of the offensive snaps, 10 carries, 52 yards, two targets for seven. Had the return touchdown for him as well, kind of helping out the fantasy managers there with the score. We talked about the Carolina game, right? People were worried that he had just had five carries there, but it was a bad game. It was raining, it was windy, he's coming off of that knee injury. They just didn't utilize him and smartly, in my opinion. Comes back in Chicago, they give him the double-digit carries, and I really think it's just onward and upward from this point on for him as long as the weather continues to be conducive to that knee of his. So Yeah, um, and they're fighting for the division. Dude, I mean, they're right we, there. They are right, right there. there in Mariota. Yeah. Many people thought we'd see Ritter by now because they'd be 2-7, and seven, and that's not the case. So, yeah, 5-6. and six. You can play Mariota probably in this spot as well. Maybe more would be relied upon his rushing ability. So, But, again, not a great game for fantasy. Chargers-Arizona. Cardinals getting four and a half at home, 47 and a half game total here. Maybe Kyler Murray will be back for this game. He's missed the last two with the hamstring injury. 
Maybe Hollywood Brown is back for this game. He was activated from the IR, didn't end up suiting up Monday night, but there are certain some expectations he could be ready for this game here. We know that Zach Ertz was lost for the season. Greg Dorch had a pretty good game last week as well. Rondell Moore left with an injury. So as some people come back, so they continue to lose members of that offense as well. And again, we still don't know yet if Kyler Murray would be good to go in this game. Yeah, can't trust Marquise Brown just because again it's the lower body injury you don't know what kind of stamina he has it's not yeah, he broke you know, a you, foot right wasn't that was he broke a bone broken his foot? foot exactly it's like, what can you do run in the pool like right. uh, I guess you could strap it to a bike try and keep the cardio up that way but it's yeah it's a tough one for that situation so staying away from that staying away from Gerald unfortunately Gerald Everett this would have been the smash spot for him if he was fully healthy because the Cardinals are the number one worst team versus the tight end but can't trust him with the groin and, and, he, they, and they didn't even throw to McKitty Last week. Nah, they did. Can't go there either. That's what I'm saying about like Evan Ingram. Is the more you start talking about a joke of being banged up, ever being banged up, Goddard out, Ertz out. None of those guys, like McKitty didn't step up and be viable. Trey McBride, I don't know. He like he didn't play as many snaps as I would hope. Like he, the landscape is pretty barren, which makes some of these other guys more exciting. Yep. Uh the guy I gotta ask you about, because uh, obviously you're starting Eckler, you're starting James Conner. I gotta ask you, Josh Palmer, are you thinking about it? Would you, like what kind of situations? If Williams is out, I think you have to, right? If that's Palmer is the next man up guy on this offense, right? When mm. if Keenan Allen goes out, it's Josh Palmer. If Mike Williams goes out, it's Josh Palmer. Now the reports for Mike Williams was that he re-injured the ankle, but it wasn't nearly as bad as like the re-injury of a total high ankle sprain. So we kind of have to monitor his status here moving forward through practice reports. Does he get limited practice in? Is he not practicing at all? Obviously concerning that he didn't return to that game, but maybe that was just out of precaution because he was just coming back from the high ankle injury. And it felt like he returned early from that high ankle injury. I thought initially he was going to miss much more time. He really only missed like three weeks. So I think they could just be taking it cautious with him. It helps though when Josh Palmer goes out there and has over 100 yards in a score. Like, they don't need to rush Mike Williams back. So, if he's not 100% and Palmer's starting, yes. Play Josh Palmer. You play Keenan Allen. looked great last week. Those guys are going to be good to go here. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the way you got to handle it. Because especially with Everett banged up and stuff, the ball's got to go somewhere. Yep. Uh, DeAndre Carter could be a little sneaky play there as well if those guys are out again. Raiders versus Seahawks here. Seahawks coming off of their bye. They're at home. They're giving three and a half. It's a 47 and a half game total here. Raiders got super lucky coming out of a win last week against Denver, I think, right? Against Denver there. They, how in overtime do you lose track of where Devontae Adams? That's my biggest question. That's the one guy. That's the one guy. The only guy in Las Vegas that can hurt you. There's two of them. It was Josh Jacobs and it was Devontae Adams. And in both crucial game plays here, the Broncos lost where they were. Josh Jacobs went all the way down the field at the end of that game to set them up for the game tying field goal on the screen on the wheel route nobody covered him out of the backfield goes like 60 yards there and then in overtime where he touchdowns the only thing that beats that game ends that game with a touchdown Devontae adams wide open just lost track Crazy of the open. best player on the field and he ends the game with a touchdown obviously you play those two guys you play jacobs you play Devontae adams where are you and matt collins and foster morale matt collins falls in the same exact category of zay jones for me where it's like, and Darius Slayton, I guess, would be in the same way where it's, okay, they're getting the snaps and the targets can be there from from time to time, but outside of very deep leagues, it's just not exciting. You know what I mean? Can't love it, but, you know, you, you kind of have to go there. And then Foster Moreau, you've known my stance on him for a long time, but I'll clarify, I don't think he's that good. This guy has never had more than 67 yards in a game in four years now, and that's filling in for Darren Waller quite often. He's just not... That type of a guy, man. not an explosive playmaker. Uh, last time, they used him prim- primarily to block. 
So listen to how crazy this is. He played every single snap, 66 of 66 snaps. They dropped back 41 times. He only ran 25 routes. That means they asked him to stay in and block 16 times on pass plays. You cannot start that guy for your fantasy team. So even if the matchup is the best one there is, the best matchup, it's it really is kind of a trap game. If you have nothing else, start him, but just know that there's a good chance this guy could be playing offensive tackle. Yep. Seattle side of this game here, you know where you're going. You're going to go Metcalf, Lockett, Walker, all great. This is a good spot for tight ends, though. Do you have a lean on a Disley versus Fant? Fant. Fant's been running consistently running more routes than Disley. The problem is they split the snaps in general, but Disley skews blocking, Fant skews pass catching. I do have Fant. I would start Foster Moreau over Fant just because he's splitting the snap. But, and again, it's a Seattle's a good matchup, but uh, if I had to start one from Seattle, it'd be Fant. Okay. Rams versus Chiefs here. Chiefs giving 14 and a half. It's a 44 and a half, 44 game total, actually. Getting word as we're recording here, the Rams are giving Bryce Perkins first team snaps at quarterback here this week. Afford's back into concussion protocol. Seems as though Perkins could be making his starting debut in the NFL. Of course, he is an undrafted free agent a couple years ago, came out of Virginia. A mobile quarterback. We saw him a little bit last week here. They cut Daryl Henderson. So a lot of things kind of in flux for this for this Rams team going into this matchup here. Perkins last week against against was it Arizona? Is that who they faced? Or two no two weeks ago, I guess he got into the game. The last sorry, last week against the last Saints. Week against yeah. the Saints, yeah. Five of ten passing, sixty-four yards, uh, added five carries for thirty-nine yards. So RPOs, mobile quarterback here, but not a great spot, right? You're going up against the the Chiefs here. Fourteen points may not be enough. Not interested in anyone on the Rams side of this game. Nope. I mean, Kyle Higby if you have to, right? But, I mean, you can't start Allen Robinson or Dan Jefferson or anybody. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> and on the Chiefs side, you start the usual suspects, obviously, Kelsey. CEH uh, placed on IR today, by the way. I know, which makes things a lot easier for the Isaiah Pacheco folks. I mean, we know what the deal is. Jarek McKinnon on pass plays, Pacheco on run plays. But at least it's now a two-man split instead of three. And Pacheco's look good. Listen, yeah. the one thing we complained about with the running back situation in Kansas City was that they didn't give anybody enough volume, right? CEH was their lead running back getting seven carries a game. The last couple of weeks, though, double-digit carries for Pacheco. Looking good, running with some power here. So, yeah, this, again, not a great defense to go up against, but maybe the Rams are just checked out, right? Jalen Ramsey doesn't seem like a guy that's out there giving 100 at when they're uh, three and seven. That's my opinion of him, so. It does. I mean, it does happen. There's no denying it that when a team, you see it with Saquon Barkley. When the team is playing well, he plays his ass off and they play well. But when everyone's down, you can feel it throughout the organization. It's hard to go out and play at 100 when you know you're going to lose. So I, I think that's a real thing, John. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster returned to practice. Kadarius Tony, we know, left last game with the hamstring. So we'll wait and see his status. We'll see on Miko Hardman. Actually, Miko Hardman went on IR, right? So Yeah, he did. So yeah, we'll see who pops up for Kansas City here this week in terms of their starting receiving. Sky Moore stepped up. Finally had a good game when everybody was just ruled out last week. Miko Harmon didn't really get much involvement. Not Miko Harmon, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling didn't really get involved too much. I think it was surprising. Justin Watson came through with a couple of catches there. So still a spot where Patrick Mahomes will just throw to anybody. But you know Travis Kelsey is going to be locked in. Yep, of course. Yeah, Sky Moore still didn't play like a full snapshot. Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scanling both almost doubled his snaps still. So I, it's hard to trust Sky Moore. I'd rather not start any of them. Yeah, like I agree with you. Saints, 49ers given nine and a half here. It's a 43 and a half game. Thoughts on this matchup? Brandon Ayuk, two touchdowns. Debo Samuel looked good. Kittle scored a touchdown again. 
Christian McCaffrey continues to be a monster. I mean, 49ers, they are looking like a truck as we move down the second half of the season. Yeah, man. They got the arguably the best offensive lineman in the league in Trent Williams. Like things are looking pretty good. Jimmy G's been looking pretty good. Four touchdowns this week. I saw a stat that said that uh, that essentially he's only had one game with under 16 fantasy points. So yeah. in your super flex he's league. In the quarterback, he's, he's in the quarterback coach this week. He's had at least two passing touchdowns in like six of the last seven weeks or something like that. So And it's like just when we start to really like George Kittle and kind of trust Juwan Johnson, they face each other. And it just so happens that both defenses are two of the best against the tight end. So George Kittle, a guy that you start him obviously in your leagues, but I wouldn't go crazy spending up on him in DFS. Another big play uh, touchdown for him, too. You talk a lot about that with George Kittle, is that, he, what was it, a couple years ago, he had the big, most yak or something like that for tight ends or had like the ever. longest catches or something like that for touchdowns? There's, yeah, there's no tight end that has more plays over 40 yards than Kittle over the last, like, five, six years. Him and Kelsey are the only ones that have more than five, and both of them have more than 10. And he's one of the only tight ends that has a touchdown that's over 70 yards, and he has four. Like, he had... <laughs> One one year, just one year, he had three touchdowns over 75 yards. And you see, he runs a 4-5, right? So, like, at any given time, he can do that. It's just the Saints have – they've been a no-fly zone for tight ends this year. They have Demario Davis at linebacker. They have good safeties, Marcus May and those guys. So, it's really just not a good spot for tight ends. It's probably the worst tight end week of the year, right. honestly. Yeah, so that, that – again, I just remember that stat coming out because he had a 39-yard yeah. touchdown in the second quarter there because he can. He can just run through guy. He had, sorry, he had a 32 and a 39-yard touchdown. Yeah. So yeah. it makes you remember. It makes you remember that, you know, the few guys that do that, and there's only two ways to do it, which are speed and the way Gronk used to do it, which is just, <laughs> <Power>. you know, <laughs> running people over. Kittle could do both. That's why he's that guy. Yep, for sure. All right, let's go to the Sunday Night Football game here. We have the Philadelphia Eagles at home against the Green Bay Packers. They're giving seven 46 and a half game total. Coop, the undefeated record went down for Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. They lost the Commanders. Last week, they nearly took their second loss against the Indianapolis Colts. But what are we seeing here? Is it kinks in the armor for the Eagles, or do we think they're just a little bit of the midseason blues? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, they have the two, probably the best cornerback tandem in the league, Darius Slade, James Bradbury. They still have most of their weapons. I know Dallas Goddard's out, but he should be back for the playoff push. I think this team's going to be just fine, and this matchup plays pretty favorably to them. I think the most interesting thing this week is Christian Watson's been crazy, right? He's been going yeah. five touchdowns the last two games. Now he, it says like the, now you can't leave, right? Because right. <laughs> now he's, they have two good corners on this team. He's going to see a star corner no matter what. So we're going to a lot really good week. safeties. So really good safety. Yeah, we're gonna learn a lot this week about Christian Watson. You can't get away. Alan Lazard is also gonna get the other one. So pretty interesting spot. Randall Cobb had a good game two weeks ago, or last week rather, filling when he came back off of IR. No Romeo dubs. Cobb kind of also filled in uh, into that slot. Could be a Cobb spot if he ends up in the slot with the two guys on the outside facing the big dog cornerbacks. So could be a sneaky uh, showdown slate play for sure. It's a Sunday night game after all. And then Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, probably the least exciting productive backs out there right if you look at the season totals for totals they're on the list miles sanders is on there aaron jones aaron jones is a rb1 he's like rb8 but at the same time you don't get super excited about him but you play him where you got him because there's only so many rb2s and back end rb1s out there Yep, I agree with you there. And again, we like Sanders, but you know, he has to have the volume, has to find the end zone for that to be a payoff. He's just kind of a flex play uh, mm. for me. Monday Night Football game here. This is going to be an ugly one. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are two and a half point home favorites, a 39 and a half game total. Looking slightly better with Saturday as the coach there. Matt Ryan 
Back under center is at least better for fantasy because he can throw the football to Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. And Jonathan Taylor's looked decent in his return there the last couple games at Ryan. So maybe some offensive fantasy appeal with the Colts side. On the Steelers side, that offense is starting to maybe see a little bit of new life. Najee Harris had another decent game. And I've been in on George Pickens. I played him last week in DFS. I thought it was a really good spot. Pickett's still not perfect, but, you know, he's at least connecting with Pickens there pretty regularly. Yeah, that's the thing about, so you, I mean, you named every fancy relevant guy on the Colts, <laughs> yeah. right? It is so easy for you. It's easy, yeah. The tight ends aren't doing anything over there. With the Steelers, I mean, we like the talent across the board. We like Najee, we like Deontay, we like Pickens. Fryer Muth has a 30% target share. We like all those guys. It's Pickett, right? If Pickett was throwing three, two, three touchdowns a game, we'd be looking at this team as, wow, yeah, I want to, I love these guys. Yeah. But instead he has one touchdown pass over the last three games. He only has three touchdown passes on the season. So that's the one thing that really holds you back. But I mean, like I said, you really can't afford to bench Pat Fryermuth unless you are you have a wealth of riches at tight ends. So right. Fryermuth is definitely in there. Najee Harris is playing. Only, the only two running backs that are getting more snaps, more per, a higher percentage of the snaps than Najee Harris are Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. So Najee Harris, you got to get him in there because he's, he's very few guys playing. He played 67 to 73 snaps last week. So you got to get him in there too. And then Pickens and Deontay, where you must. That's how I look at this. Yeah, I think Pickens more of a must start than Deontay at this point. Honestly, you talk about the Pickett touchdown numbers. I watched that game because I was invested for Deontay. Pickett threw a perfect ball to Pickens there down the sideline that would have gone for a score. It hit his fingers and he just didn't wasn't able to haul it in. A man that has made just a billion just ridiculous catches all season long. Let one just hit his fingertips. And I know they say as a receiver, if it hits your hands, you have to catch it. And uh, that, that was, was that one way. where he should have probably been able to pull it in and could have gone for a big play there. So could have had a bigger day. But I, I, again, tough matchup going against the Colts cornerbacks as well. Yeah, Deontay, yeah, Stephon Gilmore and all that going yeah. on. So, yeah, but yeah, Deontay Johnson, very disappointing. Probably one of the more disappointing players this year. So, if you can avoid, if you avoid him, do it. Yep. So, that is it. That's our week 12 look here. Remember, go to Thrive Fantasy. Go to fantasy.com slash Thrive Fantasy. You can use promo code alarm. And there you'll also find a couponized quick Thanksgiving free roll. Free to enter. You just got to sign up, use promo code alarm when you do, and you'll have access to that quick outs Thanksgiving free roll there. First place, and that is. $50. So again, nothing better than winning some free cash from Thrive Fantasy on Thanksgiving Day there, Cooper. Getting down, man. I love Thrive. So perfect sponsor for this show. And we'll be dropping our uh, our Thrive tips as we move forward on the podcast. Adam Thielen, that's my number one this week for the Thanksgiving Day slate if you get on there. So let's get after it. Boy. Yep, let's get after it. Good luck, everybody. We'll talk to you back in week 13.